Are you that weirdo that has a passion for solving the unsolved? Then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. It's almost like you've done this before. I know. It seems familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) I haven't heard that in a while, so I thought I'd... Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. We get together once a week, have cocktails, and talk about all of the weird, interesting shit that you love. Yes. So welcome back. This week we're drinking a vanilla plum cooler. It's very good. Uh, Some might say plum good. (laughs) Just plum good. Just plum good. Yeah. It is delicious and refreshing. I was given some fresh plums. So I thought let's use them. Waste not, want not. Exactly. So we ate some plums. I ate some plums. And then we also put plums in the drink and it's so good. It's refreshing. I've never, Tiffany and I were talking, we've never put plums in a drink before. Mm -mm. So it was, it was a, an experiment with a surprising result. It's delicious. So, um, the pictures for that and the recipe will be on our social medias, Instagram, sometimes Twitter. Um, so if you, if this sounds good to you, go check out our social media because everything's over there. It's very good. So on next week's episode, we have a kind of a little bit of an announcement Mm -hmm. and some new exciting things that are going on for us. Yes. So in the meantime, we want to share a little promo of one of our most favorite podcast, Malice, hosted by Ariel. It's a true crime podcast, and we think you're going to love it. Hi, everyone. I'm Ariel Cooksey, host of Malice. When violent acts occur, we tend to think the predators are monsters. Surely no human could do such things. But if we're honest, only humans commit malicious crime. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me at Malice wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye. So if you enjoyed that promo and you're a little bit curious, go check out Malice. She is available on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And now we are going to do a true crime episode this week. And we are both going to cover or talk about an unsolved murder case. Yes. So would you like to go first? Yes, I will go first. Okay. I would love to go first. So my sources are um, San Francisco CBS local.com, sfgate.com, and uh, Wikipedia. And I also looked on the Contra Costa Sheriff official page Facebook. Can I ask you a quick question? Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like when it comes to unsolved cases, there are two types of people. Mm-hmm. There are people that like unsolved cases and there are people that don't like unsolved cases because there's more questions than answers. So which one are you? Um, I like unsolved. I mean, I don't know if like is the right word. I think that it's important for people to uh, learn about unsolved cases because as I say in this little write-up I did, the squeaky wheel gets mm-hmm. the grease mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's always important to talk about them. My case doesn't have a ton of information. It's a very 
very limited, very short uh, story case. Yeah. yeah. But I think that the more we talk about this kind of stuff, the mm-hmm. more likely it is to be solved. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously not always. We've all heard of Jean Benet Ramsey, but in most cases, these cases just need need more attention. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Also, I heard about this. Um, this came to my attention because I was listening to an MFM uh, and somebody. This was their hometown. Oh, okay. So they didn't cover it, but they talked about it, and it just because it's like a California case. Mm-hmm. I just. Uh, I wanted to learn about it. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, um, yeah. Do you like unsolved cases or don't like unsolved? I don't like any kind of murder cases. <laughs> they, I wish they didn't happen. But as far as unsolved cases, like you said, I think it's important to talk about them because, um, we know that mm-hmm. there's a backlog of cases. We know that violent crimes are happening all the time. And you know, the ones that that aren't solved yet are pushed further and further back just because there's so many hours in the day yeah. and, you know, and, and, and leads dry up and these crimes are constantly happening. Yes. Um, but as far as the, um, like the whodunit aspect and why did this happen and, and where, you know, I don't, uh, I find unsolved murder cases, um, interesting mm-hmm. rather than, Although frustrating, but interesting because, um, just to think about, um, what the fuck happened yeah, is, um, it's like a puzzle, you know, if not the most important puzzle that we could solve. It still has all the questions, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just had, I I was curious. Always interrupt me. I love it. You always have a really good point to make. So it's totally worth it. (laughs) Oh, you're so nice to me. I'm like so naturally mean that even when I'm being genuinely nice, I'm like, do I sound sarcastic? Because I honestly meant that. That was a, that was a great question though. So the murder I'm covering today is 24 years old. And like we said, Mm -hmm. it is still unsolved. This horrible crime took place in a town called Crockett. Crockett is a small town in Contra Costa County, California. It's about 28 miles northeast of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. The population was 3,094 at the 2010 census. Okay. So in the 90s, I assume it was even less than that. Yeah. It sounds like a small town gem in the East Bay. It's slightly bigger Mm -hmm. than the very small town that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. So I... uh, I kind of understand the vibe of this town. I mean, I think what's cool about that is you think Bay Area, the Calif- uh, you think Bay Area in California, and you think densely populated, mm-hmm. but there are these little gems of like small towns mm-hmm. within the Bay Area, and it sounds like Crockett is one of them. Yeah, I think a lot of people have certain ideas of what California is, and mm-hmm. they'd be surprised if they left a very <laughs> small area of California. <laughs> so. Priscilla Lewis was 21 years old. She was working at the only pizza place in this small town, Four Corners Pizza. She was known and liked by many from all the reports that I found. On the night of September 24th, 1996, Priscilla went to use the bathroom. So the pizza place was part of a very small strip mall called Volona Square Mall. Mm -hmm. It consisted of only four businesses at that time, Although there were some vacant storefronts in the strip mall as well. Okay. And the bathroom, 
that Priscilla went to was in the basement of this strip mall. It was isolated, but also easily accessible to anyone in the mall itself. Oh. So it was like open to everybody. That's like a disaster waiting to happen. The building has three entrances and three stairwells, which all lead to the basement level. So this basement level is isolated, easily accessible, and usually there's just, there's nobody in there typically, right? Unless somebody is just putting something down in the basement or using this, this restroom. Yeah. And it sounds like that you didn't have to have a key card or a key to get to the access. Nothing that I found said anything about having to have, um, like a key card or. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't find that anywhere. Fucking sketchy, man. Yes. I am like getting fucking on the Facebook post tight about that. Just thinking of that. That's where you had to go to use the restroom. Well, on the Facebook post, um, somebody who lives in this town mm-hmm. actually said that they remembered that bathroom and everybody knew that it was a creepy bathroom you didn't want to use. Yeah. There was like a bar restaurant across the street and a lot of times I guess locals would just use that. When Priscilla didn't return from the bathroom, the restaurant cook went to look for her. He found her body and called 911 at 10:30 p.m. Priscilla was battered, strangled, her neck was broken, and her face was in the toilet. What the fuck, man? Police interviewed dozens of people, took evidence, but no one was ever arrested in the murder of Priscilla Lewis. In the wake of Priscilla's murder, the town was obviously traumatized. Yeah. And people came together to honor her as well as hopefully find her killer. Yeah. At the school she graduated from, teachers, coworkers, and community members planted a willow tree shortly after her murder. Mm-hmm. A $60,000 reward fund was created by two local refineries as well as donations from the community in the hopes that a reward would lead to the capture of Priscilla's killer, which $60,000 in the 90s in a very small town is so much money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a testament to how much this community really wanted to have this case solved. Mm -hmm. And you have to think, it was either a very, very random vagrant passing through this town Mm -hmm. or everybody's neighbor right those are the options right it's so terrifying I'm not and this is kind of the one of the beautiful things about a small town um you know it could be a double-edged sword small town mentality you know Mm -hmm. um but one of the beautiful things about a small town is everyone is family you know and this entire town felt like it was their sister their daughter their niece their cousin you know that was brutally murdered in this notoriously creepy bathroom that needed to be either shut down or locked yeah or have a security guard or something it's it's just a shit situation i I have a question you probably said this and Mm -hmm. i didn't listen or didn't hear you how long do you know how long she was gone as she wasn't gone that long. It was basically like she was on a break and then didn't come back. So okay. the cook went to find her. I think it was closing time. Okay. Okay. It was 1030. So I'm assuming he was like, it's closing time. What's Priscilla doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. It was also the nineties. So it's not like she was when we used to take breaks at work and like get distracted on your phone or something. Yeah. So he was also probably immediately kind of like what the, yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. How traumatizing for him to find his friend. I know. Oh my God. That's so fucked up, man. So last year, the town of Crockett came together for a candlelight vigil to remember their friend, their neighbor, and bring some much-needed attention to this very cold case. The local news station went to the vigil 
And the pain that her friends and family still feel to this day Mm -hmm. was palpable. Mm -hmm. People were very emotional. I can imagine. One hope is that with advances in DNA testing, her killer might be brought to justice. Was there DNA? Do you know? Did the article say if there was DNA at the, they recovered any? They didn't specifically say DNA. They just said several pieces of evidence. But her friend said, quote, she was a great kind person, but she was a fighter. Mm -hmm. There has to be DNA. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no way she didn't fight for her life. And this was a quote from her friend, Jennifer Sylvester. Also, it did mention in one of the articles that it, she did put up a struggle. Okay. So yeah. So I am hopeful that there was DNA. Yeah. Some, um, Underneath fingernails, Mm -hmm. something like that. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's an unfortunate truth that sometimes people get away with the worst types of crimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes justice isn't served, but hopefully if these lesser known cases keep getting talked about, like what we said, Mm -hmm. if they keep getting attention, eventually, hopefully this case and other cases like it will get solved. Yeah. The squeaky wheel gets the oil and I hope that in some small way our podcast helps bring attention to these lesser known cases. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially in this case, if Priscilla did fight her attacker and there's been so many advances in DNA, I'm really hoping that they can pull DNA from her and solve this case. Yeah. I know there's not a ton of information. I just really wanted to talk about it. If you have any information on the murder of Priscilla Lewis please contact the Office of the Sheriff Homicide Unit at 925-313-2630. We'll post on our social media, Mm -hmm. the Sheriff Homicide Unit. I believe it's out of Contra Costa County still. Mm -hmm. Um, They also have an email, and they also have an anonymous voicemail tip line that you can call. So if you know something and you are afraid to say something because you don't want people to know that it was you, I understand this is a small town. Mm -hmm. And if it is somebody in their community, that could be terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. But you could leave an anonymous tip. Mm-hmm. And I guess that uh, wraps up my case. But I really hope that, like I said, us talking about it will help bring some attention to it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's important to talk about cold cases. You know, because as time goes by, here this I, I, here's an example. Say you are in a relationship with somebody and they acted very sketchy mm-hmm. on the day. They came home late. They were acting different their personality was different for a day on the day that something like this happened and at the time maybe you didn't want to say anything because you were in love with them or you thought maybe that oh it couldn't be this person that's person that you didn't even put two and two together yeah and then 20 years later you're not with this person anymore and you're thinking oh my gosh that was a day so and so came home late and they had blood on them or they were acting very strange or they were acting bizarre at the yeah. The service and I mm-hmm. didn't notice it and I just remembered like that's or maybe even if it was somebody from out of town, maybe you saw an unusual car that mm-hmm. you never thought about. Mm-hmm. Or even the killer themselves got loose lips ten years later. Which happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Shitbags <laughs> talking too fucking much has solved so many crimes. <laughs> maybe you ran into some fucking dirt bag at a bar and he said something that made you think twice about it. Yeah. Wow, what what a fucking scary case. I'm I hope they shut that goddamn bathroom down. It's just frustrating because I feel like women all the time are put in those positions. Vulnerable people in general are put in those positions. People yeah. in general, maybe don't even consider themselves vulnerable, are put in positions like that. Something as simple as having to use a restroom can be dangerous. 
it is frustrating. It, it It's very frustrating. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I hope someday Priscilla gets the justice that she deserves. Me too. All right. So my case this week that I'm talking about is also an unsolved murder. And this um, is really close to home. Mm-hmm. Like really close to home. I'm going to go over my sources first. I used a bunch of articles from the local um, Ubisetter newspaper, The Appeal Democrat. And I also used Google Maps for um, kind of like a visual. Okay. So there's that. I'm covering the unsolved murder of Chairo Yosege Garibe. Now that, like I said, this is close to home. This happened in my hometown. Um, I grew up in Oliver's, California. It's in Northern California in the Yuba Sutter area. And unfortunately, this is one of those cases that leaves us with more questions than answers. So Chairo was born in Natsualacato, Mexico, and she immigrated to the United States as a young girl with her family. They settled in Oliver's, California. Loved by everybody that knew her, Chairo had a kind inherent joy. As a child, she sang in her church choir. Chairo adored her little brother and sister, and she loved wearing high heels. By the time she was 20, she had worked at Express Video on Oliver's Avenue for three years, and Chairo would bring home movies, which she would regularly translate for her mother in their entirety. That is so sweet. It, it, and I just, I included that because I think it kind of shows what what a kind loving person that she was it's a little snapshot of her soul yes now here's the thing I vaguely remember renting movies from express video (laughs) (laughs) um because Oliver's California is also a small town yeah um and everybody went to express video I actually, the, I remember for a sleepover, we, uh, my mom rented the entire Jaws series uh, from Express Video. However, Chiro didn't work there when I went. We are about the same age. We are pretty much the same age. Um, mm-hmm. She was a year or two older than me. And this was maybe like, I say middle school. So she obviously didn't work there at the time. Mm-hmm. But I did talk to a really good family friend. Um, yesterday we had a conversation about Chairo because she also went to express video. My friend Veronica, Mm -hmm. she went to express video and she said that these are her words back in the day express was popping Friday night, Saturday night, everyone was in their running movies. It was like a small town video store in the the early two thousands and late nineties, you know, totally. When we were young going to rent movies, when your friends were over or when you're spending the night with a friend going to rent movies was like. It was the best. It was so fun. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention this because Veronica didn't personally know Chiro, but it was a testament to how infectious her personality was. Mm -hmm. She, Veronica remembers Chiro just from going into rent movies. She just remembers how kind and friendly and warm she was. She was just the kind of person that you gravitated towards. It sounds like it. You know, she just had a light. By the end of 2005, Chiro was ready to spread her wings. Quote, she had big goals and plans. 
she had been accepted to Sacramento State University and was planning on starting in the spring of 2006. In the days leading up to her disappearance, Chiro and her family were packing for a family trip to Mexico over Christmas. It would be the first time returning to Mexico City since moving to the U.S. They were all very excited to go, especially Chiro, because it would be the first time she would be meeting her biological dad. Saturday, December 10th, 2005, Chiro worked at Express Video, her normal shift, and she even brought movies home that night. The family all planned to go to St. Joseph's in Marysville for an early morning mass the next day. On Sunday, they have, now I looked at St. Joseph's mm-hmm. uh, website. It's, it's a pretty iconic church in Marysville. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful Catholic church. I, I went on their website and ours might be a little bit different. Um, because of um, the pandemic, but it said they have an 8 a.m. mass and a 10 a.m. mass on Sundays. That's the church that's like the highest point when you're looking over Mary's yes. Hill, right? Yes. The church steeple yes. stands above everything else. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's beautiful. Now, this was close to Christmas, so I'm wondering if they maybe had an early mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason I mentioned the time of the mass because her family does leave pretty early on Sunday morning. So maybe they're going to breakfast before, or maybe there was like a special holiday mass Mm -hmm. earlier that day. So let's get into the details of what we do know. So on Sunday, December 11th, 2005, Chiro's family leaves the house for church around 5 a.m. Chiro stays behind to get ready and she told her family she was planning to meet them at the mass. Mm -hmm. That's the last time they see her. She never made it to church. Not worried at first, her family assumed that she fell back asleep and just missed mass. They get back home around 10 a.m. and Chiro isn't there. And also a family car is missing. But her purse, her ID, and her cell phone were still in the house. At this point, her parents are starting to get a little suspicious, but there wasn't anything out of place or any sign of a struggle. It was just very weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, around 930 that morning, a nature photographer was walking along the Bear River and came across a submerged car. This is about half a mile off of Highway 70, which runs directly parallel to Oliverst, heading north and continues straight into Marysville. The photographer called Highway Patrol. Uh, Highway Patrol shows up and they run the plates on the 1995 green Toyota Camry and find the car is registered to the Garibay family. It's the missing car. Highway Patrol then contacts Yuba County Sheriff's Department. and The sheriff's office goes to the Garibay household about the car in the mm-hmm. submerged in the river. Yeah. And it's at that point, her parents know something terrible has happened to Chiro. They immediately start searching. They search the riverbed where the car was found. They search her neighborhood. And this is so wild to me because I am familiar with this neighborhood. I had a friend who lived there. I dated a boy in high school that lived in this neighborhood. It backs up to my neighborhood that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And I know now the area is developed. It's more developed with housing um, yeah. um, developments. But 
in 2005, it was mostly orchards and like grass fields. So they searched the orchards, they searched the grass fields, they even searched the Feather River, which is close, but not super close. The, the search turns up nothing. The FBI got involved. There was dozens of volunteers from the community, the multiple local police community, um, excuse me, multiple local police organizations, the Highway Patrol, the Yuba County Sheriff's, all were searching. So they searched for about 10 days and they didn't come up with anything. Oh my God. In the meantime, one of the family members found a back window screen on the ground in the back of the house Mm -hmm. and possibly an open window. Now, I don't know if it was open or not. The um, newspaper article didn't say either way. Also, according to the Appeal Democrat, um, it was never confirmed if the window had anything to do with Shiro's disappearance. Because nobody knows. Nobody knew. So they did um, find a partial print. Yeah. But it never led to anything. But it didn't match anybody in the house. It didn't. Yeah. So... Like I said, for 10 days, search parties and police organizations looked for Chiro with no results. Then, on January 16th, 2006, by accident, motorists stuck in the mud noticed something strange in a drainage ditch along railroad tracks on Arboga Road in Oliverst. Sadly, it was the body of Charo Garibay. She was wrapped in a black tarp, and it appears... Her killer attempted to weigh her body down with large pieces of cement. Decomposition and recent rain caused her body to rise, making it visible. An autopsy determined cause of death was blunt force trauma by an unknown object. Uh, That was blunt force trauma to her head. Some point after this, an investigator from the Department of Justice was brought in to to assist in the investigation. Mm Mm-hmm. Chiro's murder shocked her family, the community, and police alike. She did not have any enemies. She wasn't mixed up with the wrong crowd. She was just a beautiful young woman starting her life. She was so loved. In fact, her funeral was held at St. Joseph's, the very church her families were members of. And over 200 people were in attendance, many spilling out onto the sidewalk. Actually... My mom went to her funeral service. Chiro had had started working at the um, the program Head Start where mm-hmm. my mom worked. Mm-hmm. She was an aide there, and um, they didn't know each other personally. My mom didn't know her personally, but they, you know, passing in the hallway and working in the same program. And your mom was just touched by the whole situation. It devastated the community. Devastated. I remember my. I didn't live there at the time anymore I had moved away for for a little bit I remember my mom talking about Chiro while she was missing and then just being devastated that she was found murdered devastated it you're always hoping when somebody's just missing that that's not what's mm -hmm. the situation is yeah it rocked Oliver's the small town of Oliver it was it was very sad it is very sad all of the communities in this area are very small. Mm-hmm. They are. They're a bunch of small towns. Yeah. Um, Yuba Sutter is made up of um, um, a few small towns. Yeah. 
In 2006, Governor Schwarzenegger, or as we like to call him, the governator, offered a $25,000 reward for the arrest and conviction of her killer, hoping that would drum up some leads. Wow. Along with billboards, newspaper articles, nothing brought any new leads. We're not that far from Sacramento, so I guess he probably just saw it in the local news. Yeah. I thought that was pretty... Another reason the governor is... Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's some of the facts because there's not very many. So here's some of the facts that I got from the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Detectives determined that she was, quote, confronted at about 525 a.m. I don't know how they determined that, how they knew that, what evidence led them to believe that. And I don't know what they meant by, quote, confronted. Um, I don't know if she was confronted in her home. There was no sign. They of just struggle. assumed that is the point where she was met with her abductor. Yes. Basically. Yes. And the autopsy also determined that she was most likely killed right at the confrontation or soon after. Mm-hmm. So her body was found less than a mile from her house. So there was no evidence found inside the residence. None that the police are releasing. This is just... It's very strange. It's bizarre. It's like somebody either had to be sitting there waiting for her family to leave, Mm -hmm. or she stepped outside for something to grab something from her car or what have you, and then somebody saw her. Yeah. So I talked to Veronica in in a little bit at length. Um, She didn't know... Chiro personally, like Mm -hmm. I said, but she said, you know, she was just one of those people that drew others near her. You Mm -hmm. just wanted to be around her. She said, just as a rental customer, I remembered her. Yeah. And, you know, she said there could have been, and this is her own theory. Mm -hmm. She's not in law enforcement. She's not a detective. I'm not either. But she said, you know, maybe somebody just grew an infatuation with her from renting movies um she ran into pretty much the whole town there yeah you know yeah so i um you know we did the case on the yuba county five and so heartbreaking yeah the sacramento bee did in my opinion a um a great two-part article on that case Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping this year would be the 20th anniversary um of her murder Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that the local newspaper will do a piece maybe you know see if the sheriff's office will release any more information to kind of breathe new life into the case you know because we all know we all watch the same shows we all listen to the same podcast if you're into true crime you know that detectives hold some information private yeah so I'm thinking that they have a lot of information that they haven't released so you know maybe it's been 20 years maybe they'll come a point where they can release some to the public and it will spark some leads spark some calls spark some interest in the case again you know because I guarantee you her family and the community think about her every day oh I guarantee it so it's it's it it was just these cases that's why it's so important to talk about these cases, mm-hmm. even if it's just on a little pod like ours. Yeah. Just so that they don't get forgotten. I agree. I agree. I just wanted to end on a quote from Chiro's 
best friend, she gave a quote on, um, when at one of the memorial services, now they've had annual, um, memorial services, Yuba County victim witness is in my opinion, I used to work in the school district in Yuba County and you know, you're a mandated reporter. So you sometimes work with, um, victim witness and they are a county government agency and they have social workers, therapists, and advocates for victims and victims, families of crimes. And in my opinion, I am so thankful that not only Chiro's family, but other families that have experienced traumatic murders in their family and traumatic violence in their family, they have victim witness to their advocates. They go to the house, they talk to the family, they sit with the family, they offer counseling and PTSD services for the family. They, if there is a case where the, uh, it goes to trial they go with the family members to trial. They're basically like an emotional support system for families of victims. It's so incredible. It is so incredible. It's so incredible. I know somebody personally who has had, who has dealt with victim witness and they are invaluable to this community. And it's just, I just wanted to give them a shout out because they are wonderful. Um, so I wanted to end this episode with, like I said, a quote from her best friend that was taken from the, at, from the Appeal Democrat at a memorial service. Quote, Chiro's smile brought smiles to others. Her laugh and giggling drew people to her and her warm personality put others at ease. She was a beautiful person. She brought light to everyone's life and she continues to brighten up li- people's lives. Being around her brightened your day. She gave off a good vibe. She was always positive, even when she was mad or sad. That's like so, breaks my heart. Like, I'm so sorry to get emotional, but it's just like, she was such a beautiful person. It's really awful. And she just like loved her family. You could tell like just from old news articles, she's just such a loving person. And it's just like so sad. So... If you have any information or know someone who might have information on Chiro Garibay's murder, please contact the Yuba County Sheriff's Department at 530-749-7777. And I'm, I don't know if you can give an anonymous tip, but I'm sure there's an option for that. I'll post um, her unsolved murder um case file on the Yuba County website. I'll post that on our social medias and I'll give you also email and, um, Mm -hmm. maybe exactly who to contact, who to ask for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is the, those are two unsolved murder cases. Pretty fucking sad, man. Way sad. Yeah. I mean, stop killing women, stop killing women and people just stop killing people in general. Although this, this researching, this was heavy. I was emotional for sure, probably Mm -hmm. because I am more connected, um, Mm -hmm. because I grew up in this town. I know these people, you know, people I know knew her, but I actually really like doing these cases because like you said, it's important to talk about them. It is these doing the true crime cases are really, really hard, Mm -hmm. but in situations like this where they're unsolved, 
I think that it's more than worth it for me to be a little bit uncomfortable and to be sad mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to hopefully shed some, some light and some attention on these cases. Yeah, I agree. Because I, uh, my hope is that, you know, they'll all get solved. Yeah. Like what if this, you know, we're, we're based in Yuba Sutter. So it's like, what if someone from Yuba Sutter happens to hear this and is like, what the fuck? I remember this. And you know, yeah. So I don't know. Rest in peace, Priscilla and Chiro and, you know, rest in, in love. And I just, my condolences to both families and it's just, to lose a family member is just beyond devastating, you know, so horrible. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode and thank you so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate every listener that we have. Seriously, we do. And you know what? If you have an unsolved murder from your town, mm-hmm. email us happyhourgetsweird at gmail.com or find us on our socials. Or find us on our socials. Yeah. DM us. comment on our post and we'll look into it you want us to cover it you want you know we'll we'll happily do that it's I think the more we talk about cold cases and unsolved murders the more chances that they're likely to be solved exactly and we know there's a lot of cases like this out there in small towns that people don't even know about yeah yes that we can't even find on the internet yeah you know without knowing a name or a time or Mm -hmm. or a place so exactly yeah if you have one send it to us and thank you for listening thank you so much for listening and on that note love yourself lock your doors and light some sage cheers to that 